The Washington Commanders lost a game they were in for all of three quarters, but the 45 to 10 final scoring margin would tell you much, much different. We're going to break down how it all went down on this live episode of Locked on Commanders. You are Locked on Commanders, your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome in, everybody, to of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, and I am happy to see all of you here with me following this uh, unfortunate loss by the Washington Commanders to the Dallas Cowboys. Thanks so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget that you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you're getting your podcast and you continue this conversation by becoming a locked on commanders insider. Uh, you get text messages from me with me, send them to me more importantly, uh, during in the course of these games, help me set up this live post game episode by sending me some topics to talk about after every single game. And in order to become an insider, just go to join subtext.com slash locked on commanders to sign up today. I'm David Harrison on Twitter at D Harrison 82, as well as on threads, credential member of the media covering the Washington commanders for CommanderCountry.com, a part of sports illustrated's fan and nation. And I'm here with you every Monday through Friday, including Thursdays, Thanksgiving days, when we have football games, I appreciate your continued support for the show, especially the everydayers who come through on a regular basis. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. All right, diving into today's episode of Locked On Commanders, we got three topics that we are going to discuss, all of them coming on the offensive side of the ball. We're going to check in our three keys to victory, and I'm going to tell you how Sam Howell helped the team secure one of the three, but again, one of the three, unfortunately, not enough to pull out a victory in Dallas because the Washington Commanders dropped their eighth game of the NFL season, losing to the Dallas Cowboys 45-10. to 10. Quite the scoring difference here. Um, looking back on how this game unfolded, uh, you got to go all the way back and, and just kind of remember that the Washington Commanders were actually maybe even somewhat surprisingly in this thing for a certain amount of time. Uh, statistically, Sam Howell finishes the game 28 of 44 for 300 yards, did throw an interception, a pick six at the end of the game, finishes with a 74.1 QBR. Uh, the fourth quarterback rating in a single game that Sam Howell has produced under uh, 80, and the Washington Commanders have yet to win a game when Sam Howell produces a quarterback rating under 80. So obviously that is a, in a very important threshold for the young uh, Commanders quarterback. Brian Robinson led the way on the ground, 15 carries, 53 yards, uh, averaging 3.5 yards per carry. Uh, also got in the passing game with two catches, 11 yards. Uh, not as much as we would want to see. And, of course, he had a long of 19 yards, which means the second reception was a loss of eight yards. So, obviously, not the production you want to see there. Uh, B-Rob did end up leading the game at one point, was evaluated for a concussion, but obviously was able to return uh, for the remainder of the game. Curtis Samuel led the way, receiving 12 targets, nine catches, 100 yards uh, on the day. And Antonio Gibson was able to come back for this game, did, did finish the game with three catches, 16 yards. Six carries, 21 yards uh, contributing there. Sam Howell, the only touchdown scored by the Washington Commanders on a one-yard run. He finishes the day with two carries, 13 yards, and that one-yard touchdown, of course, obviously. It's not enough, right? The, the Dallas Cowboys counter with Dak Prescott, who puts up 331 yards and four touchdowns through 32 passes. Only 10 of them fell incomplete. Uh, 142.1 QBR, not going to cut it against anybody. I don't care who your opponent is. Tony Pollard did a really good job 
uh, on the day. 13 carries, 79 yards, and a touchdown. He also got involved in the passing game. Six catches, 24 yards. Brandon Cooks got 72 yards through the air and a touchdown. C.D. Lamb got 53 yards through the air and a touchdown. And Kevontae Turpin got in, in, in the end zone, 35-yard catch. His only target, his only catch of the day. And Rico Dowdle, the running back, uh, backup running back, 15-yard catch. His only target and catch of the day producing a touchdown. So that's basically the rundown of how the Washington Commanders dropped their eighth game. When you look at the scoring, uh, the Dallas Cowboys opened up the game with a screen pass to uh, Rico Dowdle from the 15-yard line for a touchdown. We'll get into that a little bit later here in the conversation. Uh, the Washington Commanders countered with a Joey Sly field goal from 43 yards out. Brandon Cooks then caught a 31-yard pass wide open uh, to make a 14-3. Sam Howell came back with that one touchdown of the game with 151 left in the second quarter of the first half to make it uh, 14-10 Dallas, and it kind of looked like maybe they would, be able, they would be able to get into halftime down just four with the Dallas Cowboys getting the ball to start the second half, but that is not how it went down. Instead, the Dallas Cowboys drove right down the field and scored on a Tony Pollard seven-yard run, making it 20-10. to Of course, at the end of the day, it didn't really matter because Washington Commanders were done scoring at that point. A uh, field goal in the fourth quarter from the Dallas Cowboys made it 23-10, and then a touchdown to CeeDee Lamb made it 31-10. Kamonte Turpin made it 38-10, and then, of course, Deron Bland come back, comes up with a 63-yard pick six of Sam Howell uh, to make it 45-10 to at the end of the day. The Dallas Cowboys advance 8-3. The Washington Commanders are 4-8. Uh, for, for me, the turning point in this game, and it's really kind of hard to call it a turning point because the Dallas Cowboys led uh, the entire way, so there's really no such thing as a turning point when you're trailing uh, from the entire thing or for the entire thing. Uh, but the 31-yard touchdown pass from Dak Prescott to CeeDee Lamb is really where I kind of said, okay, this thing is this thing is over. At that point in time, uh, that's that's where I looked at the clock. I looked at just the game flow. And, you know, of course, there's a never-say-never never attitude. And, and perhaps after uh, the pick six specifically, then you then you can never say never. But following, you know, or the, what led up to that situation, uh, the Dallas Cowboys got the ball off of the Washington Commanders' second turnover on downs of the second half. And, and that's obviously – Never a good situation, but even worse, Dallas got the ball on this turnover on downs on the Washington 24-yard line. That's that's how deep in their own end uh, the Washington Panthers were. Now, they were they were a little bit further up, but the, but the sack on fourth down is what gave the Dallas Cowboys the ball at the 24. Uh, at the time, Dallas was up 23-10, to 10, um, which is a 13-point lead, two-score lead. Uh, so that's not great, but you're still in the fight, you know what I mean? But the, And the defense had forced two punts and allowed just a field goal so far in the second half. So the defense actually came out of halftime playing better getting the Dallas Cowboys on the ball, forced the only three and out of the entire game up to that point. Um, and there was 11.56 left in the fourth quarter with two timeouts remaining. So to me, it just didn't feel like a need uh, to go forward on fourth down in that situation. The Cowboys also tacked on the two-point conversion. That made it 31-10. Now you've got less than 11 minutes left in the game. Uh, and just with the game flow going the way it was, you just felt like at that point in time, this was going to be uh, a loss that the Washington Commanders took home in their goodie bag from Thanksgiving. Uh, what I liked in the game right off the top, um, I liked the early quarterback play by Sam Howell, and I say early for a reason. Uh, but in the first half, Howell was 16-23, 170 yards passing, had the rushing touchdown. Uh, he looked smarter, more decisive uh, at times. He was still a little bit late throughout the day, and that's something that you're going to need to fix moving forward as he continues his career. Uh, and it looked a lot more tentative uh, running the ball, and, and that's something that perhaps we'll get to ask him about on Wednesday, maybe ask Ron about. Uh, when we have our post-game press conference or our day after. I'm not sure actually if it's Friday or if it's going to be Monday. I haven't seen the media schedule yet. But whenever we talk to Ron Rivera, that might be something we bring up uh, as well. Defensively, I like the persistence. You know, 
Uh, obviously, 45 to 10, Dak Prescott gets a near-perfect QBR. You're not going to praise the defense a whole lot, but I did notice that the defensive front, even when they weren't getting any blitz help or anything like that, they were keeping their feet moving. They were keeping going after Dak Prescott, and they were able to flush him a couple of times. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of those times they ended up with completions, um, but the defensive line at least knows that they were able to scatter Dak Prescott out of the pocket. What didn't I like? The offense, uh, second-half performance of fourth-down decisions, fourth and two. Uh, because the commanders had an opportunity on fourth and two at the Dallas 43 early in the game, they punted. Typically, I'm not an advocate of running or going for fourth downs early in games, but given the season script, given the advantage Dallas Cowboys perceivably had uh, in this game, that was an opportunity to me. You're in Dallas Cowboys territory. It's fourth and two. It's a short yardage situation. And at the time, the score was 0-0. So even if you don't convert and the Dallas Cowboys get the ball back, say at their own 42-43 yard line, and they score on it, okay, they still started on the negative side of the field. And in fact, uh, Trust Wade comes down and punts, and two plays later, the Dallas Cowboys were right where the commanders were anyway. So it really hadn't uh, hadn't didn't have much of an effect. Don't like that fourth down decision. Obviously, I don't like the decision to go for it on fourth down so deep in your own end in a game that's still within reach uh, and timeouts and your defense, at least at the time, was actually being pretty effective. Defensively, uh, the explosives, right? I mean, there's really not a lot to like about the defense, so I could go on for a whole episode of what we didn't like tonight, but uh, specifically I'm going to say the explosives, eight explosive plays given up tonight by the, by the Washington Commanders defense uh, on six drives. So there were two drives where two explosives were given up uh, out of 10 drives, you know, 60% of drives, the Dallas Cowboys are getting explosive plays. That's not going to be a recipe for success. Dallas scored four touchdowns and a field goal on those drives, equaling 31 of their 45 points coming on drives that also had explosive plays. Uh, so, that's how the game went down. Looking back at our keys to victory, however, the Commanders did actually achieve one of them thanks to quarterback Sam Howell. So we're going to talk about that next coming up on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're going to do that thanks to our friends over at FanDuel. Score this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook right now. New customers, you get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Black Friday football is a thing now, and the Miami Dolphins are currently nine-and-a-half-point favorites to beat the New York Jets. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more, of course, including money lines, because that's what the promo is for, right? So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and score this NFL season. FanDuel is an official partner of the National Football League. All right, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Commanders. Thanks for making Locked on Commanders first listen of the day ever. Every day, is I want to greatly appreciate you for coming through on a regular basis like you do. Joining me here live from AT&T Stadium. If you're not live, still appreciate you coming through and in, uh, watching or downloading the program wherever you are. Locked On has also launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts on Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel in fact if you tune in tomorrow you might see my ugly mug because uh, when we get done here either right after this or when i get back to my hotel room we will be launching locked on nfl for our friday episode myself and tony wiggins of locked on jags will be talking about this game again yay and the other games that happen then we'll be predicting the rest of the weekend's uh schedule including black friday football miami dolphins new york jets spoiler alert the miami dolphins are going to win that game uh the washington commanders unfortunately lost this game and before they played the game, I gave you three keys to a victory. And again, 
Uh, just to remind everybody, the keys are not predictions. I'm not saying these are going to happen. I'm saying if the Washington Commanders make these things happen, they will win the game. And I give you a no money back guarantee uh, because you're not paying me for this show in the first place that they will win if they satisfy all three keys. But so far, if the Commanders come out and they hit all three keys, they have won every single time. Uh, and these keys are not ridiculous. They're not Sam Howell throws five touchdowns and the Washington Mares will win because no doubt they are strategic and uh, research-based things that the Washington Mares need to take advantage of. Key number one coming into this game was win the running back battle. Uh, the Cowboys are 20th in rushing yards per carry coming into this game. Now, they're much higher in per game averages because they run the ball a whole heck of a lot. The Commanders are 25th in rush defense per carry, which is not very good. But Dallas, uh, again, 10th in carry. So 20th rush offense per carry, 25th rush defense per carry. Basically, it was weakness on weakness. Which side would turn that weakness into a strength? On the other side of things, the Commanders came in with the sixth best rushing yards per carry average, and the Cowboys had the 16th best rush defense per carry average. Uh, so a little bit stronger on the Commander's side of that thing. But also in the screen game, the Cowboys are pretty good at the screen game. The Washington Commanders are better, both offensively and defensively so that was something i said they needed to lean on heavily how it went down uh basically the dallas cowboys were able to turn that battle of weaknesses into a strength again tony pollard 79 yards rushing on 13 carries it's a 6.1 yard rushing average uh he scored a touchdown had a long of 27 there was one drive specifically i don't have my notebook in front of me but I, if i if my memory serves correctly i sent out some messages i sent out some tweets and some threads and i know i texted to my insiders uh as well that there was one specific drive led to a touchdown. I think it was the uh, Rico Dowdle uh, screenplay touchdown drive, if, if memory serves, where the Dallas Cowboys attacked the edge. They ran off tackle outside the tackles four times on that drive, netted 36 yards of rushing, just attacking the uh, the the edges. However, one of those actually was not a, a, a rush. It was technically a pass because it went forward. So four times they attacked the edge with the running backs. They got 36 yards out of that. Uh, that's what that's an average of nine yards per attempt. That's a ridiculous average. Uh, ask Coach Ron Rivera about that in his post game press conference and he said very bluntly it was about not getting vertical on your edges, basically not setting your edges. One of those runs I can specifically tell you, I sent it out to my insiders. Uh, Jamin Davis was supposed to set the edge, the defensive end on his side collapsed inside by design. Jamin Davis was supposed to go out and set that edge. That's where Tony Pollard went. Jamin Davis ran up the middle. For some reason, not sure why, um, and Tony Pollard escaped for uh, a very nice gain. On the sideline after that series, Jack Del Rio was seen visibly angry with not only Jamin Davis, but a couple of players. I know Benjamin St. Juice was included in that heart-to-heart uh, -heart conversation on the sideline between coach and players. But the edges were, were weak uh, all night long for the Washington Commanders, and that's what helped the Dallas Cowboys come away winning that all-important running back battle. Uh, so, no, they did not secure that key. So we're 0 for 1 so far. Second key was to protect Sam Howell. And going back to that episode uh, where I gave you the keys, the Cowboys have the second most sacks per pass attempt in the National Football League coming in to tonight's game. Uh, projected to be about four and a half to five sacks per game because of that percentage. The Washington Commanders on the other side were allowing about four and a half to five sacks per game, not facing the second best pass rush in the NFL, which meant we could project the Dallas Cowboys to probably get around six or seven or so sacks on Sam Howell just based on uh, those numbers and kind of history uh, creating the future. Well, at the end of this game, uh, Sam Howell was sacked four times, and that's not because the Dallas Cowboys weren't bringing pressure. There were several. Uh, I haven't seen the hit numbers uh, yet for the Dallas Cowboys defense. I'm sure that when those numbers come uh, official and, and get published by the National Football League, those hit numbers, I'm going to project he's probably got hit about 12 or 13 times, uh, four times he got sacked. Um, but a lot of the times that he didn't get sacked or could have been sacked but didn't uh, because he escaped. I mean, there were some plays, uh, guys, if you watch the game, you already know what I'm talking about. There were some game, some plays during this game that he escaped 
from pressure. And then you just kind of were left sitting there saying, I don't know how he got out of there. Uh, there were times where the Dallas Cowboys fans were cheering a sack just to see number 14 in all whites uh, skirting out to the side and and finding some room to run. And, you know, sometimes he ran the ball. Sometimes he threw the ball. Sometimes it was completed. Sometimes it was incomplete. Uh, but the fact that Sam Howell was able to escape in the first place was was almost like magic, to be quite honest with you. So at the end of the day, four sacks on Sam Howell. I give more credit to Sam Howell than I do the offensive line specifically. But again, this is a really good pass rush. So that's not really totally shade on the offensive line. Obviously, you want your offensive line to block no matter who they're uh, going up against pass rush, what pass rush wise. Uh, but this Dallas Cowboys defense has made uh, this team look um, look foolish a lot of times. Uh, Nico, I will I will try to get to your comment here in just uh, a little bit during the episode. Certainly, we'll try to get to that and, and elaborate on that for you. Uh, key number three in our preview game or preview episode: minimizing red zone scoring. The Dallas Cowboys were 18th in red scoring offense coming into this game, second in total scoring, 30.2 points per game. Uh, and 15 of Dak Prescott's 19 touchdown passes this season coming into tonight had been in the red zone. And again, you know, most quarterbacks, the majority of their touchdown passes are going to come in the red zone, right? But Dak Prescott's ratio of non-red zone touchdown passes to red zone touchdown passes just a little bit higher towards the red zone favor. Um, so I thought that stuck out a little bit, and I went a little bit deep on, on how they like to do things in the red zone specifically. I told you guys they like to use – Vertical, vertical attacks against zone coverage. They like to try to run the seams, um, hit one very early on to their to their tight end. That wasn't in the red zone, but it was just an example of what I was telling you about. Mesh concepts against man coverage, but also outbreaking routes where they use an inside wide receiver to leverage inside and then use an outside receiver to take the outside defender away from the outside, use that inside receiver to then take that leverage and break outside for a touchdown. And wouldn't you know it, we got a screen pass to Rico Dowdle for a 15-yard touchdown. The exact same screen pass that we saw the Dallas Cowboys use against the Arizona Cardinals from the exact same spot. I could not go. If you can go find it. Again, I can't publish tape on this episode. It violates NFL licensing. I could lose my show. I could get fired, and that's just terrible, and I don't want to even do that stuff. So, you know, I know a lot of other shows use that footage. I'll tell you that most of them uh, are doing it without a license, and that's their prerogative. If they want to risk that, that's fine. Um, but if you go back and look at the 15-yard touchdown pass, screen pass that Rico uh, Dowdle caught from Dak Prescott scoring the Arizona Cardinals, it is a near carbon copy of what you saw tonight. It's not the exact same alignment. I want to say with the Arizona Cardinals one, uh, the tight end is split off, so he's standing up like a wide receiver, like a slot receiver. And this one uh, against Washington Commanders, he was in line. But other than that, it's pretty much the exact same play. And not only that, but it's from the exact same yard marker the 15 yard line so uh you know obviously it was on tape obviously they saw it uh they they i would assume they had a plan against it they did not execute that plan um the next you know touchdown pass that really stood out was the one to cd lamb later in the game that really kind of sealed the deal and that one cd lamb lines up in the slot uh they had a receiver on the outside i'm not sure who it was anymore it might have been brandon cooks uh they run the formation cd lamb is running out breaking post uh or an outbreaking corner route rather into the end zone the outside receiver is running it over uh, drawing the defense inside the safety, the single high, the single high safety over the top. Remember, I said single high safety. If you're over top, you're in the red zone. Your assignment is to go to CD Lamb. Everybody else, I tell you, you don't have top coverage. Only this guy has top coverage. Well, they go over the top of CD Lamb. There's no top coverage there. He gets an easy touchdown. Um, you know, if I saw it, they saw it. I'm not smarter than these guys. You should know that. Hopefully, you know that. If you don't know that, I'm telling you right now, I'm not smarter than these guys. So if I saw it, they saw it, but they were not prepared for it. They got burned on it. So no, they did not uh, secure that key 
uh, even closely. What's up with the commander's short yardage running out of shotgun? Fran, I see you in the live chat. Um, I did ask Sam Howell about that whole situation, so he is going to tell you. I'm going to let him answer that question. Coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I look forward to the holiday seasons every year. Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. If you couldn't tell, uh, I'm very, very healthy over here. And, and I'll tell you what, Jerry Jones, the rumors about him doing it right at AT&T Stadium on Thanksgiving are not wrong. So Thanksgiving is in the books. Christmas is coming up. My youngest birthday has all happened about 30 days of each other. And then there's the feeling of New Year's, right? But also comes the final stretch of this NFL season. I'm here with you right now instead of at home on Thanksgiving. The NBA schedule is rolling forward. I was just a Capital One on Monday. We got the Senior Bowl rolling around. We got the Scouting Combine rolling around. So I'm starting to make my plans and arrangements for that. Oh, by the way, I'm going to the Super Bowl this year. So I'm starting to make arrangements for that as well. Bottom line is it can be a lot. And during the holidays, you want to be home for your family but sometimes you get pulled away or sometimes you get distracted and it can lead to stress. Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills about that stress, helping you set boundaries and empowers you to be the best version of yourself. And it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. So if you're thinking of starting therapy or you got some stress you need to get off your chest, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. All right, guys, rolling on with this episode of Locked On Commanders. Live episode here from AT&T Stadium following the Washington Commanders. 45 to 10 dismantling at the hands of Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. Three topics of discussion coming up here. Uh, every again, every day after the, every game after the game, I ask my insiders, "Hey, text me topics of discussion you want to talk about on this pre-post game show." I pick three of those. We discuss those here live on the show. So, if you want to influence that part of this this program, join subtext.com/slash/locked-on-commanders to become an insider today. Number one topic of conversation: uh, What should we expect from Sam Howell down the stretch? Here's what I expect from Sam Howell down the stretch. I want to continue to see him produce. 300-yard passing games. That's kind of become the benchmark of a consistent and successful quarterback. He did it again tonight. Unfortunately, the commanders continue to lose, even though he's churning out these 300, 300-plus yard games. Uh, of course, he's not perfect. Throwing the pick six, no touchdown passes today. So certainly, you know, 300 yards is not just the line of winning or losing by any means. But when you talk about minimum standard of consistent franchise quarterbacking, 300 yards is what you want to see. Leadership. Sam Howell needs to get a bigger voice on this team. I do believe it's growing. So that's not a slight in any way, shape, or form. He's still in the first year as a starter, still a very young quarterback, and he's by nature kind of a more reserved dude. But he's got to come out of his shell a little bit, get a little bit more vocal, become more of a, a physical and emotional leader for this roster. Better timing. He was late on a lot of passes today. He's been late throughout the season on passes from time to time. Usually that's a situation where confidence is coming into play. You want to see it open before you throw it. You need to trust your guys, anticipate the defense, read the defense, trust your eyes, and get the ball out. Continued growth and resilience. Look, today did not end well, right? But it started well. And when you look at the way that he played against the New York Giants, you could have easily seen a young quarterback come in here and fold right off the bat. He did not do that. He was very resilient in the first half. Um, did not have a good second half again. So you want to see it get better. You need to see a good good uh, performance against the Miami Dolphins coming up. That's going to be no easier than what he went up against the Dallas Cowboys and then so on through the season. So that's what I want to see. That's what you should expect from a starting quarterback in the NFL. So that's what I expect from Sam Howell. I got a lot of questions about Eric Bieniemy's play calling. Here's what I will tell you. A lot of, 
Uh, what we don't like about Eric Bieniemy is play calling or what I call football theology, right? We all have our different styles. We have our own different, I would do this. I would not do that. Things like that. I would go for it on fourth and two from the Dallas Cowboy 37. I would not go for it on fourth and one from my own 24 or whatever it was uh, that late in the game. Those are football theology issues. The, the thing with play calling to remember is you may not like the play call, but was the play call set up for the players to have success? If the play call allowed the players to have success, then the issue is not with the play call. The issue is with the play. It's with the execution. Even if you don't like it, to be an honest broker of, is Eric Bieniemy's play calling a problem? In order for me to answer that question for you, I have to look at his plays and not say, I wouldn't do that or I wouldn't call that. What I have to do is look at it and say, did this play give Sam Howell and the offense an opportunity to be successful? If it's a yes, then it's a good play call because that is the measurement of good and bad play calling. And I will tell you that even in games where I've come out saying EB had a very bad play calling game, I go back and watch the tape and more often than not, guys, the opportunities to be successful are there. They just have to take advantage of them. Uh, running on uh, shot, running out of shotgun on third and fourth and short, that's something that a lot of insiders were asking me about, not just Fran. Uh, so I don't want... You know, if anybody doesn't like this question being asked, Fran was not the only one. There were plenty of insiders hit me up. Uh, uh, honestly, they've been hitting me up for a couple of weeks now. So I asked Sam Howell in his post-game press conference that very question. Is there a, any type of strategic disadvantage being a shotgun on a third and one or fourth and one versus under center? Um, you know, I mean, I just think it kind of depends on how the game's going. You know, I think early on in the short yardage situations, we were trying to run the ball and we were kind of unsuccessful doing that. Um, so, you know, football is a game of adjustments. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, you, everyone can say, oh, be in shotgun, be under center. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's really the running back has to go the same distance. They're lined up the same distance, whether under center and shotgun. And, you know, we have a lot of run game stuff and pass game stuff that we like out of the shotgun. And when you're in the shotgun, that you know, it keeps them more off balance as far as what you're, what you're going to do because, as you guys have seen, we will throw the ball in, on those short yard situations. So I think shotgun gives you some – Opportunities where they don't know it's coming, um, but no, I'm, I'm I'm in support of all the calls we made. We just got to do a better job executing. All right, so there's Sam Howell talking about running the ball on third and short, fourth and short out of shotgun. Uh, and I'll tell you, I was talking to a couple of media members. I had a little bit of a follow up conversation uh, with a member of the, of the commander staff with Sam himself. You know, I ran into him a little bit before he got on the bus. We we like a ten. I say conversation like a 10, 15 second like deal. Um, but, you know, look, at the end of the day, there's no perceived real strategic disadvantage to running the ball out of shotgun. Um, you know, I, I I pride myself in being somewhat of a smart football guy. I'm not a coach. I'm not a quarterback. I'm not a running back. Um, so I'm just going to have to kind of rely on their expertise. You know what I mean? Um, but, you know, that's I think, again, that kind of falls back to football theology. Believe me, I've, I've been that guy, too, to look at something and say, why are you running? out of shotgun right now. Why are you turning a third and one into a third and six? But Sam's got a, got a point. The running back really isn't lining up any deeper. He's just lining up to the left of the quarterback versus behind the quarterback or to the right of the quarterback. Stuff like that. Really what it's about is uh, the scheming up the right play, calling the right play, uh, and executing it uh, appropriately. So again, you know, if you want me to go back and look through uh, insiders, we have our, our command huddle come up Saturday. If you want me to specifically go through and look at all the third and one, fourth and one shotgun runs this season by the Washington Commanders, I will do that for you because that's how much I care about my insiders. We had one live comment that I do want to get on to before uh, we get out of here. 
uh, real quick, Nick, we've talked coaching changes uh, all throughout the week. Um, surprisingly enough, actually, I, I kind of expected more of my insiders to bring up coaching changes as, as topics of conversation. Uh, only one did, and, and the one said, we talked about it enough, enough. I think we get the point. So let's talk about other stuff. Uh, but yeah, we talked coaching changes. My opinion really has not changed uh, after this game. So if you guys need to get caught up on my my thoughts on coaching changes, certainly go back through the week uh, and you'll find those episodes. Um, Nico, though, asked, can you elaborate on a question that was asked to Ron Rivera in the presser? He, they said something about EB and Jack Del Rio fighting on the sideline. I can't because that was my question. So there was not Eric Bianami and Jack Del Rio fighting. What was happening is that at different times in the game, the defense came off the field and Jack Del Rio was livid and he was just just tearing into guys with Jamin Davis, Benjamin St. Juice. There was one other defensive player uh, there. I can't remember who it was. I'm not trying to escape that player from, from accountability. I just can't honestly remember who it was, and I don't want to guess. Um, but Jack Dorio was not happy. Definitely giving some hard coaches, some hard loving to those players. Um, so that's what that was was about. Eric Bieniemy later in the game, uh, it was actually the fourth down play where they handed the ball to Brian Robinson. He and Jahan Dotson collided in the backfield. Jahan was not in motion. It was at the snap of the ball. Jahan basically pulled like a tight end or a guard or a tackle would. And he ended up running into Brian Robinson. Um, after that series, after that fourth down blown play, Eric Bieniemy was seen on the sideline, very unhappy with his offense. So what I asked Ron Rivera is, at those moments where they were angry, I knew Ron wasn't going to tell me exactly what they were saying because Ron's never done that. He's never going to do that. But I was just asking kind of like what was more the spirit of was it was it an execution flaw? Was it an understanding flaw? Like what was the the you know what was the the inspiration behind? The anger and and he just very you know not disrespectful but just very said I'm not going to talk about that and uh, if you hear I don't know if you hear it on the on the broadcast or not but I said that's fair right, you know or I said fair enough because it is you know what I mean it is fair and there are things that happen that coaches don't want to talk about publicly and, and I totally get that so I have no uh, ill will or hard feelings about him not answering that question in fact I kind of knew I, I, that's why I kind of tried to steer towards like I know you're not going to tell me what they said but can you tell me the spirit of what they said and he's like yeah nice try buddy you're not going to get that from me so that was what I was talking about they didn't fight. I just want to make that 100% clear. Ron and Jack weren't fighting. Ron and EB weren't flying, uh, fighting. So that's what that question uh, was about. So that's going to do it for this recap episode. I am flying home. Uh, this is my Friday episode. I'm flying home on Friday. We're doing our Thanksgiving on Saturday. I'm going to watch Ohio State beat up on some Michigan Wolverines. In the meantime, if you got questions or comments, throw them in the YouTube comment section. Hit me on Twitter or send them directly to me by going to joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders. As always, thank you for coming through. Until we speak again, please be safe, be kind. And I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. <laughs>